What's going on, Z community? Welcome to the Personal Finance in Canada show. This is your host, Tamara Aziz. And today we're going to be talking about the different filters to find a good dividend stock. Now, when it comes down to picking a good dividend stock, there are a bunch of different things that you could look at. There are so many different things that to cover every single one of them would probably take me 562 hours. So instead, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be introducing you to the type of filters that I use in order to tell me what is a good dividend stock and what isn't a good dividend stock. Now, remember, you don't have to have the same factors as me, but this will give you a pretty good idea of where to start. Now, the first filter or factor that I like to use is the dividend yield. The dividend yield is just the percentage that you're getting back from the company on whatever your investment is. This is usually calculated by taking whatever the company is paying out as a dividend and then just dividing it by whatever the current stock price is. Think of it as your guaranteed return on investment. But keep in mind that it's not always guaranteed because there are actually times where companies will reduce the dividends and at times not pay them out whatsoever. And this is exactly why it's very important to pick your dividend stocks very well. Now, personally for me, I only search for companies that have a dividend yield of 4.7% or higher. Now, there is only one exception to this, and everything is looking pretty nice with the company in terms of their finances and the other filters that I use, then I might consider going as low as 4%. Now, this may already filter me down to a limited amount of stocks, but the reason that I look for this high yield is because I'm not trying to compete with inflation. Historically, the highest inflation rate that we've ever seen in Canada for the past 20 years has actually been 2.9% back in 2011. Now, just imagine a situation where you're literally getting money from an investment just to say that you lost money. For example, uh, let's just take an average dividend yield of 1.9%. This is usually what I've noticed with a bunch of dividend companies. So if you're getting this 1.9% dividend and you just found out that the inflation for the year is 2.9%, you didn't make 1.9%, you actually lost 1%. And honestly, I'd rather not put myself in that type of scenario, which is why I always aim for this high of a dividend yield. Now, the next metric or the next filter that I like to use is dividend growth. Now, if you wanna build a dividend portfolio, dividend growth is going to be very important for two main reasons. The first reason being that you want to make sure that your dividends are keeping up with inflation, as I was just talking about before. And the second reason is because I see dividend growth in a company as an indicator that they are doing well financially. Now, because I've touched up on the entire inflation thing just now, I'm going to try to explain my thought process around this second point. Now, to do this, I need to tell you a little bit about dividends. Now, usually companies will sit down on a table and they'll talk about how their lives are going, how the kids are doing, where they're going next weekend, and they probably don't do that at all. What they actually do is talk to each other about how dividends they're going to be paying out to the people who own their stock, aka the shareholders. Now, the dividends that they end up deciding on actually gets taken away from the company's profits. So technically speaking, dividend growth and the company's growth kind of go hand in hand. And this isn't always the case, but if a company is able to increase the profits that it gets, this also means that they can increase their dividends without having any major issues. And this is exactly what we want for reason one, to keep up with inflation. 
Plus, who doesn't want to get a little bit of extra cash? Now, when it comes down to looking into dividend growth, there are really two ways to do this, the easy way and the hard way. And I don't know why, so don't ask me, but I always end up doing the hard way and I think I need to change my ways. Now, for the easy way, you would have to go through the dividend lists, filter out whatever dividend yield minimum that you're looking for, and then scan the financial documents from there. Now, we talked about the dividend lists in episode 37, so check that out for a refresher. But just to kind of summarize this, if, if you're into music, think of these dividend lists as the XXL freshman list, which is updated once a year. Exact same thing applies for these dividend lists. Now, either you could do that or the hard way is actually filtering based on dividend yield and then scanning the stocks from there. I don't know why I keep doing this technique, but I need to switch it over to the easy way because it just takes up too much of my time. Now, Z community, are you finding value from this episode so far? If you are, be sure that you're sharing this with a friend and a family member. And based on what platform you're listening from, be sure you're following and subscribed to the podcast. Let's talk about the next factor now, which is earnings or EPS growth. Now, as we've talked about in previous episodes, the earnings can also be called the earnings per share, also known as the EPS. This EPS is actually calculated by taking the amount of profits that a company has made and dividing it by how many shares are available. People usually use this EPS to see how profitable a company is. People usually use this EPS to see how profitable a company is. So they usually compare this to the EPS of the last three months, six months, and at times a couple of years. This gives them an idea of the company's performance, which can give you a hint about if this company will give you a reliable stream of income or not. Now, knowing this, the growth of the EPS is also going to be important to us because when we get to monitor how profitable a company is getting over time, when and why these bumps or hiccups are happening and so forth. Now, knowing this, the growth of the EPS is going to be very important to us because we get to actually monitor how profitable the company is getting over time, when and why there are bumps or hiccups, if any, and so forth. Now, I personally like to compare the EPS anywhere from five to 10 years worth of data, if I can find it. I usually do this because I always try to aim for 30 data points whenever analyzing anything because it's always a good sample size number. And last but not least, another factor that I usually look into is the free cash flow growth. Now, putting this metric into the most simplified terms, this is the amount of money that a company will have after spending everything that it's had to in order to run the company. Now, the only spending that isn't included in here are the dividends that get paid out to us, the debt repayments, which is them repaying their debt back, and share buybacks of the company themselves, which is something that you don't really have to worry about right now. Now, I personally like using this metric myself because it gives you an idea of how good the company is when it comes down to moving money around. And again, it can give us a good indication of whether we're going to be getting a dividend increase or not. Now, think of it like this. If the company hasn't increased its dividend in three quarters, but you notice that the free cash flow growth is growing from $5 to $15 to $30, you know that chances are pretty high that your dividend is going to get increased for the fourth quarter or even the fifth. Now that you have a collection of the different factors that you want to start looking into, at the end, you're going to group everything together, or at least I do. It's up to you if you want to do it or not. But I will always compare these statistics with other companies in the same industry. And yes, that means you're going to have to do all of those data calculations again, and then you're going to be comparing them within their competitors. 
And yes, this means you're going to have to be doing all of these calculations again and all of this research again, but with the company's competitors. You want to do this because you want to understand where your company stands when it comes down to the competition. This is a good thing for you because you're doing more research into the company itself and you have an opportunity to find out if you should actually go with another company instead. I've actually done this analysis in the past when I made room for my consumer discretionary and the financial sector itself. If you guys would like to get a better idea of how I do these analysis and how my data ends up looking at the end, check out the link in the description below. This is basically a video that I did a, about a year ago where I did a complete analysis on the Canadian bank stocks. Now, even though it's from last year, it'll still give you insight as to how I make my decisions when I pick a dividend stock. Now, Z community, if you found value in this episode, be sure that you're sharing this with either a friend or a family member. And based on which platform you're listening from, be sure to either subscribe or follow the Personal Finance and Cannabis Show. Anyway, Z community, thank you for listening to this episode. This is your host, Tamara Aziz, signing out. Peace.